When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who like to use a lot of words, yet say nothing at all. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it's episode number 451 for October 29th, 2018. Oh, see, I got the month that time. I was, I was ready for it. <laughs> On today's show, we're going to talk about why no lacquer, our most challenging projects, a painted finish, and outfeed tables. And this is, uh, this is one of the shows where we're doing a double recording, so we don't have anything to talk about what's on the bench or what's new. And we'll just get right into the, what do we have here? A kickback. All right, hold on. Let me take a drink of water. Got to get prepared. Mm. It's, a long, mm. it's, it's a long message, and I got to read it all. And I'm not going to give it to Matt because I actually want it to be read. So. Oh, uh, hey. Hey, yo. You know... <laughs> I could be upset about that, but at the same time, I prefer not to have to read that. So, okay. you know, oh, and well, to be it. fair, it's not a question for Mark, so Matt shouldn't be reading it. That's true. I only mm-hmm. read them if they're addressed specifically to Mark. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> so this app happens to be, oddly enough, from a gentleman named Matt. He says, I went back and started listening to the show from episode one on my commute to work. I'm currently, it's funny, we just had talked about what it's like to experience that and how, how it's crazy that people even do it and can make it to the current <laughs> episodes. Uh, I'm currently up to number 34 while going back and forth from old episodes during the week to the new episodes. When they come out, I have to say that it's hard to ignore the fact that the show has a much different overall mood and feel now, not to say I'll stop listening to the new episodes, nor will I take away the fact that I love learning everything I can from you guys, but it's clear that the love for it isn't the same as back in 2007, <laughs> 2008. O- older episodes were much more lighthearted. Maybe it's salty old man grumpiness from doing this for so long. Maybe it's the rock star attitude, but now it seems like when you guys are answering questions, you are the angry history teacher in high school who is more interested in the day being over so he can go back home and watch the Golden Girls. It's a great show by the way, uh, and teaching what he knows or then teaching what he knows. Either way, I hope you guys still love what you do and continue to educate those of us who are eager to learn. You are on top of the industry. That's news to me, by the way. 
be humble. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the tattoo industry and there are enough hot headed number ones in that world with so much competition and secrecy. Woodworking should be the total opposite. Thanks for all you do. Looking forward to the next episode. All right. So you've lost that love and feeling. Um, well, a couple things like let, let's, I, I got, did a little math, I did a little math for this. Oh, oh, research. We are on, not really just, it was one calculation. Uh, we were on show. Well, let this show doesn't count. We have completed 450 shows. Now you guys both weren't there for all of them, but I was, <laughs> so <laughs> let's say every show average, I mean, sometimes we went over an hour, sometimes under, this is not counting all the weekend shows and things that weren't put into the main feed. Uh, oh, yeah. so, so let's say 450 shows, um, approximately 50, 50 minutes per show. That's me talking about woodworking for 22,500 minutes oh or, <laughs> or 375 hours. Okay. Oh. So here, here's the thing. Dude. <laughs> That's a lot of hours. So here's what the a life you have. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually quite, uh, Glorious. Speaking of the rock star life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the, I'm really, this is where it's at. Uh, so here's the thing for you, Matt, it's a click away to go from episode 30 to episode 450. For me, it's over a decade for, for things not to change for things not to evolve. I, I it, like, it's got to happen, right? Um, the way I view wood talk as part of my lineup of things that I do has absolutely changed. Um, but I can honestly tell you, I would be a very rich man if I had a dollar for every time someone told us as a show that we're losing our way or that we don't like it as much as we used to or that we're being snarky, like just some criticism. And it comes and goes. And the thing is, we're just real people. We're doing a show. If we didn't love it, we wouldn't do it. And we have made significant changes to the format, the frequency, the recording to make sure that we can keep doing this show because we love it. But we also all have very busy careers outside of this that are, you know, actually the things that are, are making us, you know, reasonable profit that we would just instinctively want to put more effort into Wood talk has always been that kind of side job thing for us. Um, but the fact it's is side hustle, it is our side hustle, but the fact <laughs> is I would say, and I love my moments on the show with, with Vanderlist. I mean, I consider him one, even though we don't really talk that much anymore. Um, I still, we talk on Facebook and stuff, but, um, I made a great friend because of this show. And, and it's still, you know, today I could pick up the phone and talk to Matt for, for hours probably. So I miss him being on a show, but in the last year, probably specifically the last year, once we really hit a a stride with uh, Cremona being on the show, I think I have laughed more times in the last year of Wood Talk than I ever have. Um, Just me personally having fun with the show. Um, The interaction with the audience, I think, is at an all-time high. The inside jokes, which I know a new person might not love (laughs) because they don't get it. Uh, But, you know, just people calling in and the interaction with the show. To me, it's at an all-time high. So here's the problem. Every time one of these criticism uh, emails or comments comes in, I look at it and I go, I don't know what this person is talking about. And and (laughs) maybe I'm just blind to it because... I'm the person doing it and I'm the problem, but I don't see it. Um, I feel like we try to be as helpful as we can for on every show. Um, you know, Shannon is always a little bit of a jerk, right? That's just, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's kind that of has just, not changed. that's kind of part of his personality. 
um, you know, Matt can't read. That's just his thing. It's true. Right. It's the thing. We all have our own things. <laughs> you know, and with me, I don't know. It depends on my mood that day, but I try to answer as thoroughly and respectfully as possible, but I'm also a smart ass. It's that's part of who I am. And I will be very snarky with people. And, and ultimately, you know, I call a spade a spade. It's been over a decade. If somebody writes in and says something I disagree with, uh, like on the last show with, you know, why don't you use these tools? Well, after over a decade, the tiptoeing around offending someone is kind of on the back burner. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I feel like I can be exactly who I am and say exactly what I mean. And I think that's to the, to the benefit of the show. Honestly, I think uh, it's more fun for me if I can be honest. Um, so anyway, I see something like this and I wanted to read it on the show. Maybe other people uh, share Matt's opinion. But if you're doing this analysis of 10 years ago and then comparing that to the show today, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be differences. We are very different people than we were 10 years ago. I have two human beings living in my house who didn't exist before that time, you know, <laughs> and now that's a thing I got to worry about. But this show soldiers on and we are we are absolutely well, I can't say we're the first. Matt um, Vanderlis was the first audio woodworking podcast. So technically, Wood Talk is the second. But we are the longest running early podcast that, that's still going to this day. Uh, and guess what? You know, the, to do that many shows, sometimes you might not be in a great mood and something may come out the wrong way. You know, but that's life because we're not actors. We're not trained professionals. We're just people talking about woodworking. So anyway, that, well, I just I think, wanted to say my piece about I that. I think that's kind of important. And I, and I want to say to Matt that part of me agrees with you <clears throat> because I know for a fact that I have been a bit too snarky on some questions when I shouldn't have been. And, you know, and, and I've gotten this on my own, like, you know, YouTube live streams and things and things like that. Like one guy the other day is just like, why are you so angry all the time? <laughs> it's like, and what a you jerk. know, it never means to come off that way, but it comes <laughs> off like exasperation may come off as angry. And sometimes I, I need to look at it from the perspective of there are a lot of new people coming into this craft and that, that should be really exciting. But it's you answer too. the same question for 10 years in a row and eventually you're going to start to be a little snarky about it. And I wish that I was a better person <laughs> and that I can just <laughs> address that, those, those questions that I've answered thousands, literally thousands of time with the same like passionate excitement to, to reach a new woodworker. Um, I, I, I personally would work on trying to be a better person for that. But you know what? I think that's one of the reasons that Wood Talk, I enjoy Wood Talk so much, is I don't have to work on being a better person here. <laughs> I honestly think part of the attitude and a, a little bit of that attitude, I mean, too much is a bad thing, right? I mean, we're not purposely right. trying to be jerks. But one of the fun aspects is that we can be a little bit raw in how we present things, things that may not necessarily make its way into our video productions uh, that we do. Um, because here's the thing, all those minutes we have to fill, a lot of crap has to come out of our mouths to fill those minutes. And sometimes you may not word things the right way. You may stay on a topic longer than you meant to. You may breathe out and go, <sighs> which gives the wrong impression that you are annoyed by this question that, that you picked you know, to, to read on the show. Um, but I generally I, am when I make that noise. Yeah, you are. You are. <laughs> <sighs> But you know, the thing is, again, it's, it's, this is, I think the natural evolution of things. So I will, I'll put this out there. I'm willing to, um, accept the fact that I'm totally wrong about this. Uh, one of the things I said being wrong, uh, 
if you think we're off course with the show or that maybe we're being too too mean in the way we're answering, does Matt have something here? Maybe I'm blind to it and I don't see it. I'm totally willing to accept that. So if people write us and say, hey, you guys are kind of being jerks, maybe lighten up a little bit, um, I, I will absolutely take the time to uh, to ignore that. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I will absolutely see. Like Mark is having a total change of personality and <laughs> character right now. What's yeah. going on here? No, I'm serious. I will re-examine things. I may listen back to a couple of old shows and see, is there something we did differently or are we still on the right track? Have we gone off course? But I have to tell you, and this goes for the wood whisper. This goes for everything I've ever done publicly. I cannot really give a whole lot of credence to emails that tell me from strangers that tell me that I'm off course, that I've changed, that I've lost my way. I've been getting those since to sound like Shannon, literally since, (laughs) since 2006, when I started within the first few months, I had people telling me that they liked the stuff I did early on. You know, and it's like, you've changed, man. I've changed so much in the last last 30 days have been rough that it's gone to my head, you know? So it is hard to take those pieces of criticism seriously. But if, if a bunch of wood talk listeners tell me that we're off base, then, then I will absolutely revisit this topic and and think about it on a personal level. So there it's out. Let us know what you think. Uh, Matt, you got anything to, uh, to put into you're, you're the newest guy on the show. You, you can hardly I'm be, so new. you can hardly be I'm blamed so for I've things. I've been here for what, like three years already. I was going to say, hasn't he been here? For I didn't say you're new. <laughs> I said, you're the newest. There's a difference. <laughs> I, I think people I, like that. I think, uh, I don't see how can I, I think people will say that they enjoy the show now more than ever mm-hmm. as a whole. That, that's the vibe I get. It'd be interesting as to hear from the long time ones who's in it now. Like even when I go back and like, I remember listening to the show before I was on it. That's like one of the things I used to do is actually listen to the show. (laughs) And now when I go and actually like listen to one of the episodes now, I'm like, this is actually kind of entertaining and fun, even though I'm listening to myself talking, but I still feel like I find myself smiling as I'm listening to the episodes. Now, I don't know if I really did that as much when it was just, well, whoever was there at the time, either you and Matt or just the three of you. Uh, honestly, man, it's, it's a vanity thing. Like, you know how they talk about vanity searches. I call it a vanity. Listen, when I listen back to our show, it's actually one of the highlights of my week to listen back to our show and, and find the spots where a joke worked well, or that we, we played off each other on something. And it was just a great classic wood talk moment. Uh, and I do the same thing and I'm sitting there in my own shop, listening to our own show going, this is actually pretty good. And I'll even text that Matt. I'll even text the guys to learn. Yeah. Right. I mean, making fun, (laughs) making fun of Matt. That's my favorite wood talk moment. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and it's something where I'll even text these guys and I'll be like, Oh my gosh, this, that was a really good show guys. So, I mean, maybe we're just, thinking about it wrong. I don't know. I just want to allow for the possibility that we're jerks. Maybe that, maybe that's the case. Anyways, um, should we move on? You think? Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, whatever. I'm again <laughs> Steve, for Steve emailed us and said, uh, I'm building kitchen cabinets, but I would like to paint them white using maple for the doors and drawer fronts. I want the paint job to look professional. What steps would you recommend to make this happen? I have an HPLV sprayer, but I want to use brush and roller for the doors because I'm not skilled enough for the sprayer yet to do a job of this magnitude. So basically, keys to a successful paint job. Personally, I think a painted finish is the hardest finish out there. When people talk about, you know, oh, I hate finishing, I'm not good at it. You know, like, 
wipe on poly is a cakewalk compared to paint. Um, and, and, and brush on poly polyurethane out of the can, I think is easier than a painted finish because of the, the, just the, you know, the opacity side of things. There's so many things that can go wrong. Personally, what I have found works really well. And I, I, I get where you're coming from with the, um, you know, I want to use the roller cause I, I, I'm not keen on the sprayer. The last time I did uh, built-in cabinets, I also painted them white. I actually used my Wagner Power Painter sprayer for the entire thing, um, just to get the material onto the surface. And like getting into the nooks and crannies is really nice, like the back inside corners. Um, this is before I knew that pre-finishing was the thing, because Matt hadn't invented it yet. So <laughs> I wanted... Thanks for I, that, Cremona. I just... I. I just wanted to get the material on the surface. My gifts to the world. <laughs> <laughs> what I found worked best was was just getting it out there and then following up with a rag, very much like you would with um like uh, uh like a wipe on finish, like like David Marks with his paintbrush and his rag. You know, he brushes along, comes back and rags it down. Now you have to be careful with paint here because you can actually smear the um the. Uh, pigment around and it doesn't work real well but what i'm doing more than anything is catching the drips and making sure that it's not it's it's not getting a, a, a runny ripply surface or whatever but then i'm going back and i'm sanding in between that first base coat where it's soaked up a whole bunch of stuff the same way you would do it with any clear coat finish and i will go like 220 grit sandpaper and go in and, and really just work up a powder on the whole thing then I'll come back and apply like a sealer coat, usually like a shellac, because um, it makes a nice binder, but it also kind of locks in any of that fine powder that I just created, and it really helps to level out the surface. And then I'll go back and I'll do another coat of paint. And it just, so much of that professional, quote, professional looking finish relies upon the surface treatment after that first coat and getting that surface nice and level, nice and smooth and flat. Because what you'll find is after you've done that work, that next coat of paint, first of all, you use a lot less paint in the second coat, but it, it just rolls out super smooth. If you're using, you know, if you're using a high nap roller, that's going to be difficult to do. But if you're using like one of those foam, really close cell nap rollers, it's going to roll out super, super smooth. Then you're going to sand it again, and then I will usually, maybe if I apply a third coat, I will, but I like to follow up with a top coat, some sort of clear coat like lacquer or um, you know a polycrylic or something like that, that really just adds a little bit of depth. First, it adds some durability, but it adds just that little bit of depth and a tiny bit of like reflection that in many ways can help disguise some of the issues that may have happened with the pigment itself, but it turns that nice paint job into that professional looking paint job because it's almost got that like, well, finishing touch, literally <laughs> Mark, a finishing touch <laughs> over top of it. So um, really it shouldn't be any different than a clear coat finish, right? It's, it's about surface preparation and preparation between coats to allow your coats to continue to flow out smoothly. Hmm. So there you go. Very good. I'm finding out right now, if Nicole can go get Mateo, because we started recording late and I'm looking at the clock going, oh crap, I got to pick Mateo up in like five minutes. Um, so I think she might be able to go get him. So let's just continue on and go with the normal pace. Uh, let's see. So these are in the co-answer area. I'll just read the first one and Matt, you'll get the next one and Shannon, the next one. Uh, so okay, okay. Yeah, I got a lot of mats involved in the, uh, in the wood talk circle here today. Uh, Matt says, I'm pretty new to the show. I've worked for a few years as a cabinet finisher in a shop 
and have since moved on to trim carpentry after a move across the country. Anyway, uh, when I was finishing, uh, wood finishing, not finish carpentry, we used almost exclusively lacquer, with few exceptions, exterior or special order. I hear you guys talk about poly, wax, varnish, shellac, oil, pretty much every finish out there except for lacquer. This may be a dumb question, but why is it that lacquer isn't even part of the conversation? Like I said, it may be inferior. I don't know. It's just the only finish I've ever used on a large scale. Okay, so... First off, lacquer is definitely part of the conversation. Um, I've talked about lacquer, you know, countless times on the show. So depending on when you're listening, you might be listening to a, a time in my career or woodworking career where I personally, I don't know about the other guys on the show, but I. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today personally have moved on to other finishes. So in the past, um, you know, going back to the days when I was just building for clients, lacquer was a go-to. Uh, there are v- different kinds of lacquer, certainly different types out there that uh, some are more durable than others. So lacquer is potentially a great finish, uh, but it tends to be a little bit more of a more deeper involved finish because you're pretty much applying it by spray. There is brushing lacquer, but most people, if you're working with lacquer, you're spraying it. And HVLP is like a next level thing. We just had a question with someone who says, I have an HVLP, but I don't quite feel comfortable doing this thing with it. So like even people who have turbines may not actually be using them because they don't have enough experience and and don't want to ruin their project with it. Uh, So I think that's one of the reasons why when you're talking to, to three people who are doing a show that's really geared toward hobbyists, you're going to find that we most often talk about hand applied finishes. Um, and as you know, for myself, I, ha- I used to use lacquer almost exclusively because it was just so fast. Um, but now that I moved to, to Colorado, I'm trying to, I just have the desire to use less nasty finishes, like chemically speaking, <laughs> uh, finishes that I aren't going to, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. That aren't going to rot my brain, yeah. like better for me, better for the environment, <laughs> you know, um, so I'm using a lot more natural oils. Uh, if I use anything, you know, that, that has a little bit more of a chemical, uh, you know, nasty chemical aspect to it. It's going to be something like armor seal or a wiping varnish. Um, but what's all the rage these days, hard wax oils, right? And that's, <laughs> and those, a lot of them are no VOC at all. Uh, so I think that's just the trend that that's happening in, in woodworking and hobbyist woodworking. Um, so yeah, lacquer is a thing, nothing wrong with lacquer. If you're comfortable spraying with it, I mean, it sounds like you got some great experience with it. Um, but you will find the people who sway more toward the pro level. And I mean, pro in the sense that they actually are building and selling on a routine basis are probably going to be using lacquer as, as a primary finish or a conversion varnish or something like that. Um, but this, I, I'd like to think of us as more of a hobbyist, you know, geared show. So most of the time we're probably going to talk about the finishes that, that most hobbyists are using. So 
but that's at least my I definitely definitely wouldn't say it's inferior I'd say no. it's quite durable and it's it's lovely like shellac and the fact that each coat burns into the next so you don't get the witness marks and stuff like that um I used to use it all the time when I was doing craft show type stuff because I could grab an aerosol can and like do an entire run of boxes in about mm-hmm. 15 minutes it was awesome yeah. great stuff but yeah it was stinky yeah, and you know, actually, now that you mention it, if I do have a small project, like for the show or something, like a small jewelry box or just a little knickknack thing, lacquer all the way. I don't even bring my turbine out. I just do what you did to get a, some rattle can lacquer, uh, and it's done. Yeah. Can't beat it. All right. Um, I used to use it a lot when I was, before I found the wiping poly, I was, I used that a lot, but I can't say I really enjoyed the process as much as I actually enjoy the process of a wipe on finish. Mm-hmm. There's just something about spraying lacquer with all that safety equipment on and then like when you're done you the, the room you did it in is just like a bomb <laughs> yeah. and you probably end up dying in there and you can't go in there for a while or whatever and like well do it outside okay well you got to have good weather for that i guess and then it's like well now you gotta bring your project outside it's wouldn't like that be like thing. three quarters of the year that you probably wouldn't be able to finish if you were using lacquer all the time because you can't go outside at least half the year at least half yeah yeah, it's so too cold. Climate or is definitely snowing. a big a big factor. You don't want water getting snow a snowflake dropping in your finish. <laughs> that might look cool though. <laughs> like if it, if it just stayed like a snowflake and didn't melt, that'd be great. I don't think it would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Good stuff. I mean, I I actually sometimes I miss the days of like my pre-cat lacquer days because finishing was such a it was very satisfying. I mean, granted you're decked out in all of your safety gear and stuff like that. <laughs> but to be able to like, I don't know, my bigger projects that I've done with lacquer, um, thinking like my grandfather clock or an entertainment center or something like that, but th- something that would just take days, possibly weeks to finish by hand, uh, doing it with uh, spray lacquer and just being done with it in like a day and a half was, was always a blast. And it looks good. Like after the first coat, like, wow, yeah. I can stop now. And you're like, all right, well, I'll apply another coat just because yeah. I probably feel like I should. You know? mm-hmm. uh, I think, well, Matt, you got the next one. This is from Zumbros, maybe? Yeah, I thought so, good? but maybe it's Zombie Rose. Maybe it's a made-up name. Well, just with oh, a funny, yeah. funny spelling for zombie, yeah, right? That that could be Zombie Rose. brains. <laughs> Zomberos. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm guessing it could be Zomber, Zomberos, Zombieros. Who knows? Right, Zomberos. Cool. <laughs> what have been your most challenging projects to date from the perspective of design, construction, and finishing? Please explain why. That's a pretty serious question. It's a big time question. Uh, I'm going to go with my secretary desk. I think especially when the, in the time in my like development of a woodworker, when I actually attempted that, it was a very, very um, uh, kind of a big undertaking for someone with almost no skill and no actual uh, reason to be making that. There's like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wasn't there. I probably shouldn't have been making it, but because I decided to do it, I learned a lot from it. I gained a lot of skills, I mean, it took me a while. I had to like take breaks from it here and there. But when I got to the end, like that really has transformed my ability as like a furniture maker to be able to make something that crazy and to be able to look at something like that and be like, nah, it's just some boxes with some stuff on it to make it look nice. That's about it. Um, uh, finishing though. I, I mean, that wasn't too bad either, but 
I haven't done anything crazy that was challenging finishing wise. Mm-hmm. Not since I got my white bomb poly, man. That's the same thing every time. Perfect every time. Found your go to. No problems. <laughs> no problems. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, I, I mentioned this on a previous show that this bunk bed is actually, it's such a simple project, but it's like, I'll go to Nicole and I'll be like, well, what do you think about this? And she's like, she gets really annoyed with me because I keep trying to bounce ideas off of her. Um, but when I hit it like a design inspiration wall, it's so frustrating. And I just, I just want to get the thing that makes me go, yes, that's exactly what I want to do. And I can't get there. I feel, so I'm calling, I'm kind of calling this thing the uninspired bunk bed. Um, it'll be okay. It'll be fine. But it's not something that makes me go, yes, I nailed this one. So I don't know. Um, but I, I think for me, the dining chair. I uh, did a dining, t- a dining chair in the guild that I'm going to say it was my own design, but there are probably tons of chairs out there that look like it. So obviously I, I'm getting inspiration from other places. Uh, but because that was one that I actually did a prototype, I wanted to make sure it was comfortable. I, and I'm teaching it you know, soon after I do this. I, there was a lot of pressure to make sure everything was actually correct and and worked. Uh, so I, I, you know, I find chairs to be generally speaking one of the most challenging project types. Uh, and doing one from scratch, okay, nothing's from scratch. I, I've, when you got inspiration all around, you could figure things out. Um, but this wasn't a design I was copying. It was just me trying to put together design elements that I've seen and liked and put them into my chair. Uh, and that that was that was a good challenge. I mean, a positive challenge. It wasn't, uh, I didn't have any negative feelings about it, but it was difficult. What about you, Shannon? I'd have to say the flywheel lathe that I built. Really? And I actually even talked about that on the show just because the, well, that was a classic case of overthinking it. Um, I had used so many different flywheel lathes and I was trying to incorporate like the best of like seven different designs and trying to make like the end all be all flywheel lathe, like Matt's bandsaw mill, like the perfect (laughs) flywheel lathe that had all the extra stuff on it. And I incorporated a lot of modern hardware, like bearings, thrust bearings and things like that, and then put them into a non-precise medium of wood. And that crossover of getting alignment with perfectly positioned bearings and everything got to be really complex. Mm -hmm. And the number of moving parts in that piece that had to come together. And then not only, then I discovered after the fact, not only had to come together and run smoothly, but continue to run smoothly and not like wear out. Um, It was just a, a whole new level of functionality that normally a static piece of furniture doesn't have to deal with. Yeah. Um, so there was just a lot of things, a lot of false starts, a lot of, oh, I want to incorporate this. Oh, crap, that was a bad idea. I should have just kept it simple, you know, and to to the point where um, I think if I were to build the thing all over again, I would probably build it a heck of a lot more simple mm-hmm. because I just realized, you know, some of those cool extra features I wanted to have. I end up barely ever using it would be better off to make a separate thing. You know, in other words, incorporating a grinding wheel onto the outboard side of the spindle was a cool idea on paper mm-hmm. and it just ended up not using it enough. And it made things so much more complex yeah. and it added so much to the hardware side of things. Um, so yeah, there was no challenge with finishing or anything, but just from a design perspective, mm-hmm. the number of hours I spent designing that and trying to make sure everything worked together and then having to actually execute on it, it sure. definitely taxed my ability as an accurate woodworker. <laughs> Made me feel very bad about myself as an accurate woodworker. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have to do something a little bit weird 
So Nicole can't go get Mateo and I need to leave right now, but there's one more question and I'll be back soon enough to press stop. So this is like when, when Millie jumped the fence. Do you remember that? So I'm going to leave. I'm going to let my computer continue to record. You guys can handle the last question, close off the show. And when I come back, I'll stop the recording. Does that work? Okay. Okay. Well, Hey, have fun guys. I'm going to go. Okay. See you, Mark. See you guys. See you later, Mark. <laughs> okay. okay. Mark the show. So we, we, we have no Mark and we have a question about a table saw. So in other words, Matt, Oh, what are your thoughts on table saw outfeed tables? This is from Ryder, by the way. He says, I built a large one with cabinet bottoms underneath it. Was thinking of putting drawers and some slide out shelves in it. Would there be anything you guys would incorporate if you had the space need for a large outfeed table? So I'll actually, I do actually have something to say on this. Um, do it. I, like I had a, um, a Delta, um, craftsman table saw and just like totally pimped the thing out to the point where like I pimped it out so much that I, there was no way I was ever going to recoup my money because like I, I, I made it more valuable than the market would ever possibly hold when it came time <laughs> to selling it. Um, but Taking you know, I did all <laughs> sealing the things up for better dust collection and adding on outfeed, adding um, additional wings on the side. I added the longer, um, whatchamacallit, rails for the fence, threw a, a hunger router table off to the side. Um, of all the things that I did do, though, incorporating that router table into it was awesome because it gave me that extra surface that I wanted. It allowed, I was able to use the, the Biesemeyer fence in my router table, but I just, it, it totally stayed out of the way. It added a little bit of mass to the saw, which was nice in using it. And it just m- continued to make it very functional. So in the case that Ryder's looking at where he's got, um, you know, outfit table and he's putting a bunch of storage and things on it. I like that idea. I figure if you're going to have, if you're going to increase the footprint of something, you might as well utilize it to its full advantage. So um, if you don't already, you might think about throwing a router table into the mix. Wow. Okay. What what are my, you? my thoughts on an outfit table is they're great. It's so much nicer. to have to worry about having stuff, you know, fall off the back of your saw. I just yeah. built a new one. Fancy that. I actually just built it. It was like six months ago, but it's really nice. Uh, having that extra storage in there is just an incredible advantage in the shop. Like, like you said, Shannon, just having anything with that kind of footprint, if you have some more storage there for other stuff, it's like a no brainer. So shelves or pull out trays, whatever works best for whatever you're trying to store in there. But again, that's like another thing you can think of too, is like, well, you have a selfie table. What kind of things do you want to store in that area? Is there something around that area of the shop that smaller things would make sense to be in there? Because, now, if you have a bigger shop and the stuff for one task is on the other side of the shop store and your outfit table and you got to keep going back and forth across the shop to get your stuff, it might not be that most all that you know efficient to have those things in that outfit table storage. So kind of considering what are the things you use around the table saw. If your table saw outfit table also serves as a work surface, maybe or an assembly table, like maybe some like clamp storage or glue, things like that also kind of play into that. Um, and I guess when you think about like how big you want to make it, if it's, I know we're talking about like having a huge one, it sounds like, uh, well, I don't know what, what you describe as large outfit table, but I think a lot of times, unless you're doing a lot of like plywood and cabinetry type stuff, you're ripping like eight foot boards constantly all the time. 
they don't really need like the standard like giant four foot deep outfit table you know like mark has because they're just never going to use it that often it's just more floor space that gets taken up to another flat surface and when you get to like four feet deep kind of coming up with good storage solutions for something that big is going to be kind of tricky because you really do you really want four foot deep shelves or like pull out trays or drawers <laughs> right that's a that's a huge drawer. <laughs> it sounds like an opportunity for stuff to get lost. Yeah, that that too. This is right? where I put stuff that I will never use ever again. It's in the back of the drawer. Good luck. Keep pulling. It just keeps coming. <laughs> <laughs> Keep pulling. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if you have a risk of getting trapped under the drawer if it falls down and you're unable to get up, that's a red flag. But because I don't do a whole lot of that stuff, that's why I built mine to be about 24 inches deep. It's a really good depth for uh, like a drawer or just overall storage like that. In the in that design, the drawers ended up being about 18 inches deep, which is a good size. You get two feet of extra outfit support, and for anything you know, four feet, four and a half feet, it will support that board off the back of the saw. And if I do happen to rip anything longer, well, it's put a little outfit stand there for like the once time of year that I do something longer. And in my case, my shop is set up like this. I use the guard on my jointer as an outfit support for anything longer than like, I don't know, four or five feet. It was right there. Just swing out that pork chop. And then as you're feeding out, just the work piece just drops on the jointer guard and it's good. So I got integrated outfit extended support there, which is nice. I like pork chops. Me too. I'm hungry. It's with, almost with dinner apples. time. Apples or oranges are good with pork chops too. Oh, making me hungry, Shannon. Nice cinnamon apple pork chop. Oh, <laughs> the best. It's fall, you know. We got to use the apples. So that's, that's what I would say. Make sure you have plenty of cinnamon apples in your outfit table. That does help. Pork chop. <laughs> All right. I think we beat that topic to death. So that's the end of the show. And Mark's not here. So hopefully, when he goes to edit this, you'll get like five minutes of dead space at the end. Just just for fun. I, I hope he leaves it. <laughs> right. For those of you who say, oh, that, that show was too short. You know, it's not long enough for my commute. Just keep listening to the dead space. Hey, there's a hidden no, track at the end. <laughs> there we go. You got to wait to the very end, though. You can't fast forward to it or you, you'll miss the sound of the ambient, the ambient sounds of Mark's house. That's yes. what you're going to miss out on. So. Yeah. So anyway, if you have comments, questions, you stuff we want to talk about, please, please get in touch with us you can send us a voicemail use your voice memo app for that fancy recording quality and email it to woodtalkonline at gmail.com or use our contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact and you can write it out and it goes into a little form response tab on our spreadsheet here that we rarely ever look at so look at it yeah, every yeah. week yeah okay but you know there's what three thousand entries <laughs> now <laughs> so yeah you know if you really want to if you really want to get on the show use your voice memo app that's the way to go <clears throat> work for mark's dad so it could work for you that's, true. <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's the show we got nothing else so bye <laughs> <laughs> so i will uh, see you next time and uh yeah we need to throw a little ferris bueller track in five minutes from now you're still here <laughs> it's over Why go home <laughs> Alrighty, I think that'll do it. All right, say bye bye. I gotta got hang up, right? Yeah, you actually gotta hang up. We can't have a little after show. <laughs> <laughs>
Like we always. If we do. did, Mark would definitely delete it because he wouldn't. He wouldn't approve of that. Ah, uh, yeah, Mark always killing. Always the buzzkill. Always killing it. You know. Alrighty. Well, I am gonna go make pork chops now. All right, I'm gonna go see what my in-laws are doing with my kids. Have fun. <laughs> go Have see a good weekend. Time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show my face. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll see you later, Matt. See ya, Shannon. See ya, Mark. See ya, everyone else. Goodbye. See everybody who, who hung on to listen to this. I don't know why. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.